Hello, and welcome back to She Dynasty. So, so many of you have asked for me to do part two to my personal essay, which was titled Dentistry or Destiny. If you haven't listened to that first, it's really important that you do in order to understand the continuation of the story that I'm about to tell today. But I have received hundreds of emails where people are asking and begging for me to tell people what happened at the end of that love story. So I hope that you will go back and listen to part one. If you haven't already, it is episode 36 titled Dentistry or Destiny. And then once you listen to that, you'll come back and listen to part two, the continuation. So here we go. The conflict in my head of whether or not to reach out to Josh seemed real. I needed to at least pretend that I was strong enough not to call him in order for me not to feel like a complete loser. I couldn't believe it. I was actually considering reopening the door to this commitment-phobic man-child who had already trampled my heart so many times. The battle in my mind seemed like a one-sided game of -of tug-of-war which made it sure that I would eventually give in and call him. My memories of how right it felt when Josh and I were together always seemed to override any of the more rational thoughts of why he was truly the wrong guy for me. I'll never forget how Josh and I met. I had just turned 24, and one Sunday morning, I had ran into an old friend from high school named Irina at a grocery store. My food shopping strategy was always to go early as to not to have to run into anyone I knew. Apparently, I didn't go early enough that day. Irina and I were really good friends back in high school. She was a beautiful first-generation American-Russian girl with a unique Eastern European look. I was always so envious of her porcelain skin, her perfectly coiffed blonde hair, her killer body, and her perfect sense of style but most of all, her ability to get straight A's with very little effort. Irina always reminded me of Lady Diana, a true beauty in her own right, who was always so well put together in a way that made me feel like I always had to try harder. Even that day at the grocery store, while I strutted in in my Adidas sweatpants, Air Jordans, and a ripped sweatshirt, my hair thrown back in a bun with a scrunchie, Irina looked like she was already dressed to go to a Sunday tea at a fancy hotel. I pushed my shopping cart past her and did a double take. I hadn't seen her in a few years. We had lost touch after high school. We both immediately said hello. I suddenly felt self-conscious about what I was wearing, even though it was 9 a.m. on a Sunday in the produce aisle. Oh my gosh, Valerie, it's so good to see you. You too, I answered back wishing I had put on some makeup and brushed my hair that morning. We discussed what a shame it was that we had lost touch and quickly exchanged numbers. She told me that she had been recently married and she'd love to have me over to meet her new husband, Zach, and that they had just both passed the bar exam and become lawyers. Of course she was a lawyer. I would have expected nothing less. A week later, she called me to invite me over for dinner at her house. I rang the bell to her apartment and Zach opened the door. He was dashingly handsome and equally as put together and stylish as she was. I walked into their apartment that looked as if they had had it decorated. 
It felt so adult and grown up. Zach invited me in and said Irina is just finishing getting ready and that she would be out in a minute. I've heard so much about you, Valerie, he said. He asked me what I'd like to drink and proceeded to make me a cocktail as I sat down on the ultra plush comfy couch. I immediately noticed a large, perfectly bound leather wedding album on the coffee table in front of me. Zach and Irina looked like royalty on the cover in their dreamy wedding attire. I asked if I could look through it. He said, of course. I grabbed the heavy book and placed it on my lap and began to look through the pages. Wow, they were really married and it truly looked like a fairy tale wedding. I was sad I wasn't included in the celebration. I turned a few pages and immediately stopped on the page of Zach and all of his groomsmen. They were all so handsome in their tuxedos and looked a bit like mafiosa all surrounding Zach in a chair that resembled one of a king's throne. Being a single girl, I studied each of the six men carefully. One specifically caught my eye. He was tall and slender, longish hair. He had a young Tom Cruise vibe, yet a bit more ethnic looking. Zach broke my gaze and asked, Hey, are you single? Most of those men are eligible bachelors, you know. I am, I responded. Suddenly, this wedding album started to feel like a catalog of husbands for me to choose from. As I turned the pages, I felt a zing in my gut every time I saw that one particular guy. I finally stopped on a photo of Zach and him alone. Oh, that's Josh. You don't want him. He doesn't really have his shit together. Oh, how's that? I asked. I was intrigued. Tell me more about him. He's a broke artist type and a DJ always struggling to make ends meet. Plus, he's not Jewish, and Irina told me that that was something that was very important to you. But the guy next to him on the next page, as he pointed to Michael, now he's a catch. He's in dental school, he's Jewish, and he really has his shit together. My eyes wandered back to Josh. The broke, artsy, non-Jewish DJ sounded exciting to me. Is Josh single, I asked, trying not to sound too excited. Yes, Zach said, but I'm warning you, he's not the serious type. He's very difficult to pin down. That's okay, I said, so am I. Will you introduce us? I guess, he said reluctantly, but I'm not taking responsibility if he's flaky. I'll take my chances, I answered. Okay, done, Zach said. A week passed and I called Irina to nudge her about the setup. A few days later, she called me back. It was all arranged. We would meet at the Three of Clubs, a trendy bar in the heart of Hollywood at 11 p.m. next Thursday. I agreed. I showed up that night excited to see the man that I had hand-picked out of the wedding album. He walked in and looked totally different not wearing a wedding tux. Josh was super into hip-hop, music, and culture, and he was wearing giant oversized baggy jeans that seemed five sizes too big for him. They sagged below his butt, showing off his want-to-be Calvin Klein underwear. He also wore shell-toe Adidas shoes, a green hoodie, and perfectly matching green socks. He was casual and effortless, and he had the most chill vibe. He was definitely cute in a broken, artsy, DJ kind of way. What's up, he said. I'm Josh. We hugged and went to take a seat. He didn't offer to buy me a drink. I remembered Zach telling me he was monetarily challenged, so I decided to go order my own and offered him one. 
he agreed with no hesitation. I guess maybe that should have been red flag number one. Zach and Irina bumped into some other friends and went over to chat. Josh and I got our drinks and found a small booth and settled in. There was a moment of an awkward silence when Josh finally tried to kickstart the conversation with the lamest question ever asked. So, what sign are you? Really? That's all he could come up with? I'm an Aries, I said. Why? Are you into signs or something? No, I just couldn't really think of anything else to say. We both chuckled. Besides his dumbass question, there was no denying the instant chemistry and attraction between us. By the end of the night, and after three cocktails, we were already kissing in the corner booth, still not saying too much. He had his hand under my skirt, rubbing my thigh. We enjoyed the vibe of the scenic bar, the great music, and each other's company. We exchanged numbers, and that began the official journey of Josh for the next four years. Thinking back to the instant chemistry we had the night we met and how physically attracted I was to him for our whole relationship made me miss him even more in this moment, if that was even possible. I snapped back to the present, again finding myself looking at his phone number on my mirror. My willpower not to call only lasted two weeks before I finally broke down and grabbed his number and made the decision to call him. At the very least, the 14 grueling days of not calling him made me feel like I made my best effort to be strong. But after yet another night of faking my feelings towards Mark the night before, I knew today was the day I had to call. As usual, I planned and plotted every detail about how I wanted this call to go. My plan was not to give in so easy. After all, I wasn't ready to just let him back in yet. I was just dipping one toe back into the water to see if it was warm enough to jump back in. Do I call in the morning? Nah, he'd be too rush. Maybe at lunch? No, he'd be with co-workers. After work? Ugh, what if he was on a date? No moment seemed like the right time. As the day went on and I continued to strategize of when to call, and then all of a sudden, in an instant, I was overcome with now. Now is the time to call. It was 2 p.m., and suddenly, I found myself dialing his new phone number. The phone rang three times, and he picked it up in his familiar, deep, sexy, casual voice. A warm, tingling sensation overtook my insides. He had no clue it was me. My heart jumped into my throat. My tongue felt paralyzed. Josh, I finally muttered, it's me, Valerie. There was a deafening silence. At this moment, I regretted making the call. Are you there? I continued. Uh, yeah, hi, wow. I didn't expect to hear from you, he said. Yeah, well, here I am. Cosden gave me your new phone number. He sounded cold and unemotional. He paused. Well, I can't really talk right now. Maybe I could call you after work. I sank lower into my couch. I just wanted to hang up and pretend I had never called. I guess, I said. What time? Maybe 6 p.m., he answered. Okay, bye, I quickly responded. I slammed the phone down and immediately began to weep. What a huge mistake. Cause must have been wrong. He did not even sound remotely happy to hear from me. How could I be so dumb, so weak, 
I deserve this. And he said he'd call me at maybe six. What the hell did that mean? I was sure I'd never hear from him again. I immediately closed the blinds in my apartment, jumped into bed, and hid under my sheets. I just wanted the world to go away. I cried myself to sleep. The phone rang about an hour later, and I jumped. It was Mark. I irrationally yelled at him without much explanation, and I told him that it was a really bad time to talk. Mark had felt me distancing myself from him the prior weeks and was trying to navigate how to win me back. It seemed the more I pulled away, the harder he tried. I laid in bed, staring at the cracks on my ceiling of my old apartment, stressing about what might happen at 6 p.m. The ticking sound from the wall clock haunted me as every minute passed. It seemed like an eternity. What was I waiting for? He wasn't going to call anyway. At 5.45, I started to feel extra anxious. I stared at the phone, wishing that 6 p.m. would come and go, so I could finally put this behind me again. 5.59, 6 p.m., 6.01, With every minute that passed, the pit in my stomach grew bigger and bigger. 6.12 p.m., ring, ring. I picked up quickly, accidentally dropping the phone on the floor. I was so nervous. Hey, Josh said with a casual vibe. I was silent, too stunned to even engage. It's Josh. Can you talk? At this moment, I decided that he would have to do the heavy lifting. After all, I was the one who called him first. The least he could do was start this dialogue. Um, yeah, I said. How are you? I was surprised to hear from you today. I thought you didn't ever want to hear from me again. Yeah, well, I didn't, but then I saw Mike Cosden. Wait, you saw Mike? Yeah, I went to get my teeth cleaned a few weeks ago. He told me I should call you. So I called. He chuckled. Wait, was that funny, I thought in my head? Regaining my confidence, I asked the wrong question. So do you have something to say? You called me, Valerie, he responded. Oh my god, this was turning into my worst nightmare. Okay, well, I'm sorry I called. Bye. I hung up the phone immediately. At this moment, I collapsed to the floor, and I cried harder than I think I had ever cried in my life. What the hell was I thinking? That was the worst decision ever. I knew who he was. He was probably just drunk the night at Michael Cosden's house when he told him that he had messed up and wanted me back. I immediately tore up his number and threw it away. For a split moment, it made me feel like this lapse in judgment had never happened. Thirty minutes later, there was a knock at my door. I fantasized that it would be Josh rushing over to see me. I ran to the bathroom and splashed some water over my face. I opened the door to Jack, my disheveled downstairs actor neighbor, asking me if I had accidentally taken a package of his. I somberly told him that I hadn't. Are you okay? he asked. He could tell that I had been crying. No, I'm not okay, I snapped back. Do I look okay? Jack was taken back by my aggressive response. In that moment, Josh walked up behind him. I became weak in the knees when I realized it was him. It felt like that scene in the movie Sixteen Candles when Molly Ringwald walked out of her sister's wedding and saw Jake Ryan across the street leaning against his red Porsche. Oh my God, he came. 
He's actually here. Josh and I locked eyes as the three of us stood in a triangle. Jack cued in to the fact that there was some drama and tension between us and politely said goodnight and closed his apartment door. So are you going to invite me in? Um, no. I'm in my pajamas, Josh, and I really wasn't ready to see you tonight. This is not how this was supposed to go down. Well, I could leave if you want, he said. I froze. I had come to yet another fork in the Josh road. Do I close the door or invite him in? I decided not to answer and just turn around and walk up the stairs, leaving the front door ajar. I was secretly praying that he would follow. I got back into my apartment and sat down on the couch. I looked out the window to see if he had left. His beat-up car that I remembered so well was parked out front. A few minutes passed. My heart was beating so fast. I was trying to figure out if he would indeed come in or just go home. Suddenly, I heard the door creak open and footsteps come up the stairs. Josh had a very specific walk, and I could hear the pattern of his swagger as he got closer. I felt so nervous. He plopped down beside me, and both of us stared straight ahead as to not look at one another. Just feeling his body heat next to mine made me feel electric. The chemistry between us was explosive. It made every night that I'd spent with Mark in the last year seem like a complete and utter joke. I fell asleep on his chest. We just fit together like two puzzle pieces that were meant to be attached. And just like that, Josh was back. Back in my life, and it felt so good and so wrong at the same time. I dreamt that night that Josh had bought me a baby elephant. I was ecstatic to get such a gift from him. I told him about my dream in the morning, and he laughed. Things quickly fell back into our normal routine. Night after night, I would go watch Josh DJ at various hip-hop clubs around the city, like a groupie addicted to her band. Watching his hand spin the vinyl so flawlessly was intoxicating. My friends and family were furious with me, reminding me over and over again of all of the breakups and heartache. They were tired of spending hours and hours coaching me off the ledge just to find that I had climbed back up there again. My birthday was coming up, and because Josh was always so broke, as usual, I didn't expect much. I became obsessed in my head about how to discuss our future together and thought that maybe this was what I wanted for my birthday this year. Nothing material. I just wanted to have a real conversation with him about the future. I just had to find the courage to do it. I was terrified to scare him away, yet I needed to figure out how to get him to understand that I was indeed a girl looking for a serious relationship and a future that had marriage and kids had to be written into the plan. I was not willing to compromise on this, yet I was deathly afraid to waste more years with him just to find myself on a dead-end street. Some guys were just not the marrying type, and Josh had told me many times in our relationship that he had had a hard time committing to one person and that he'd always felt more comfortable being in casual relationships. I was the only girl he had been able to be with for so long, and he always used that as an excuse when he decided to pull back or break up with me. 
I warned you, he would always say. Would he ever outgrow this phase? Did he ever want to get married, have kids? This was my dream, and all I knew that with or without him, I had to have it. And what about religion? He was Catholic, I was Jewish. How would that ever work? My family would literally disown me. Would he even consider converting? So many questions with no courage to ask. I didn't ever want to be that girl who pressured her man into tying the knot. Yet I was always disappointed in myself that I couldn't bring myself to just have the conversation. The decision was made. I had to be brave enough and once and for all ask him what the future held. If he didn't want the same things as me, then it was time for me to leave him. I made up my mind. I would ask him the day after my birthday. And if he wasn't on the same page, it would be over. As much as I loved him, and it would be rough, it was what needed to happen. My birthday came. Josh came over before the dinner party we'd planned and gave me a giant stuffed elephant. He had remembered my dream months before. This was such a thoughtful gesture that I thought, wow, maybe he's coming around. He had never done anything like that before. He even wrote me a card. I opened it and read it out loud. For your birthday, I want to take you on a very special surprise trip on New Year's Eve. Happy birthday. Love, Josh. New Year's Eve? It was only April. Why New Year's Eve? Wait, this was throwing a wrench in my entire plan. Tomorrow was the day that I was going to find the courage to ask him about our future. Now, what was I supposed to do? I decided I had to push my deadline to January 1st. The excuse to procrastinate and not have this discussion felt so good. But after New Year's, there would be no more excuses. Sadness overcame me as I was almost sure that Josh wasn't interested in marriage or a family. I decided to look at these next eight months as my final hurrah with him until I was forced to break up because our future plans just didn't align. After all, I was still young and cute, and if I had to start all over again, I would just have to accept it. That spring, summer, and fall were magical. We got along so well. The only hiccup was always when we were out at a party and someone would ask, So, when are you two getting married? Josh would literally turn green and slip away before he ever had a chance to answer. He was so marriage-phobic that this would just solidify in my head that Josh and Valerie were set to expire. I felt like Cinderella at the ball, and on January 1st, Josh would surely turn into a pumpkin. December 31st came, and it was the afternoon we were to leave for our surprise trip. In my mind, this was my last night with Josh, and as in love with him as I was, I had practiced over and over how to be strong enough to walk away when I would hear the news that my plans and his were not the same. I promised myself to make the best of it. If this was going to be the last night I spent with the love of my life, I had to make it count. Josh finally revealed that he was taking me to the Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Niguel. I wasn't quite sure how he was paying for such an extravagant one-night getaway, but I didn't question it. We drove down the coast, and I gazed into the Pacific Ocean feeling melancholy, knowing that tomorrow I would have to end it all. As soon as we arrived, we were greeted by the bellman, 
who escorted us into the hotel. In front of us stood a grand staircase and on it a bride and groom who had just been married taking photos. The couple looked overjoyed. My heart sunk. It was my dream to feel that happy. Josh, of course, didn't notice and went straight to check in. We were then taken to our room. We opened the door. It was stunning. The bed looked like a puffy cloud floating with its stark white fine linens and layers upon layers of down pillows. Neither of us had ever seen such luxurious sleeping accommodations. Josh dove into the bed and said, Hey, do you mind if we take a nap before dinner tonight? Sure, I said. We both laid down and fell asleep. About 30 minutes later, I woke up and decided to let him sleep as I would go for a walk around the hotel alone. As I meandered through the beautiful property, I came across three other couples who had just been married. It seemed like this was a sign that someone above was trying to tell me that tomorrow was the day that I had to have the serious talk. A knot developed in my throat and I went outside only to find another wedding actually in progress on the great lawn. I sat from afar and watched. Again, tears streamed down my face. Tomorrow, my Josh fantasy would be over. After I cried it out, I decided it was time to go back to the room and just make the best of this last night with the man who was impossible to get a long-term commitment from. When I returned, he was already showered. He told me that he had bought tickets to the hotel's New Year's Gala. He was proud of himself as the tickets were $250 each. That was more than he had spent on me in the entire year. Again, I didn't question it. I jumped in the shower and by 10 p.m. we were ready to go. Josh had rented a tux and I wore a simple black flowy dress. I was quieter than normal. He asked me if I was feeling okay. We got to the main restaurant to check in on time and we quickly realized that every other couple that was there was over the age of 65. We laughed. He didn't realize that most people our age probably wouldn't come to this kind of party on New Year's Eve. We decided to make the best of it. The room was stunning with silver balloons covering the entire ceiling. We sat down at a table and enjoyed one of the most extraordinary meals we had ever had. Josh made sure to call out every flavor and texture to try to critique it all like a fancy food critic. It made me chuckle, but then I remembered that this might be the last meal I would ever have with him again. As the night grew later, I grew quieter. At 11.30 p.m. on the dot, after dessert, Josh asked if I wanted to go take a walk on the beach. The beach, I said. Are you nuts? It's 52 degrees outside. He begged me to go with him. I declined. All of a sudden, he became obsessed with the idea of going somewhere, anywhere. He asked if I wanted to take a walk around the hotel. I said no because I didn't want to miss the stroke of midnight. Finally, he demanded that we go back to the room for a quick second. It was just down the hall, and he wanted to take something for his stomach as he said it was bugging him after eating all that rich food. I finally agreed as long as we could hurry back not to miss ringing in the new year. We'll be back in five minutes, he promised. Five minutes. We went back to the room, and while we were there, I decided to go into the bathroom and brush my teeth. When I emerged from the bathroom, the lights were dimmed, some candles were lit, and there was some soft music playing. I yelled at him and said, what are you doing? Now is not the time for this. We're going to miss New Year's. Just come here for a second, he said. No, I responded, you promised five minutes. 
I'm going back to the party. I opened the door and ran down the hallway to prove a point. He opened the door behind me and yelled down the hall. Will you just come here for a second, girl? I declined. He ran after me and picked me up and carried me back to the room. It was cute and playful, and I decided to give in. He plopped me down on the bed and said, I need to talk to you. Okay, what? I said. What is it? Suddenly, I remembered that the last time he told me he needed to talk to me was the time he broke up with me. Was he doing that again? I had a moment of PTSD from the last time he muttered those words to me. Josh had had quite a few drinks, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. He began to speak, stumbling over his words. Well, I just wanted to apologize for breaking up with you so many times. I was confused and I just didn't know what I wanted. Why was he having this conversation with me now? I thought to myself. Josh, I said, can we talk about this after midnight? No, he said, we're going to talk about it now. I wasn't used to him being so forceful. I finally decided to shut up and let him talk. I fucked up, he continued, and I love you so much. I just love you so, so, so much. Josh was starting to talk in circles, and I wasn't sure if this was his way of just trying to get frisky with me. I was just annoyed that we were missing New Year's. Finally, he stopped talking, his eyes filled with tears. He dropped to one knee and produced a small blue velvet box. He proceeded to open it and reveal a beautiful diamond ring. Valerie Moiselle, love of my life, will you marry me? I was stunned, completely paralyzed. I had no idea that this was going to happen. In fact, I was breaking myself for the big breakup tomorrow morning. Wait, what? I gasp. Marry you? Was this really happening? And was it really happening right now? In my mind, so many thoughts raced. We have never talked about this before. I wasn't sure we wanted the same things. I was Jewish. He was not. I wanted kids. Did he? I was confused and overwhelmed. Yet this is all I ever wanted from Josh. A hot flash overtook my entire body. It was an extraordinarily odd feeling to be proposed to when I didn't expect it. It was like all of a sudden an angel and devil popped onto my shoulders and began to bicker. The devil telling me to follow my heart and of course marry Josh. And the angel telling me to use my brain and run for the hills. I was not ready to answer. I hesitated. Valerie, he said, are you going to answer? In that moment, the devil had won, and I let my emotional side take over. Yes, of course I will marry you, Josh. I convinced myself that I could deal with all of the logistics later. We kissed, then fell back onto the bed into the uber soft pillows. We were quiet, taking in the moment, giggling, just looking at the ring. How? the hell did Josh afford a diamond ring? Once again, I decided not to ask any questions. After about 15 minutes, Josh asked, so should we call our parents? Panic overcame me. Call our parents? Oh my gosh. 
All I could think is my dad would kill me. How could I possibly tell my dad I was marrying a non-Jew? No, 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 I said. Let's just enjoy the moment to ourselves. Plus, it's really late. They're probably asleep. We laid in each other's arms, sipping champagne for the next 15 minutes, and all I could think about was how to bring up all the issues I wanted to discuss. It wasn't quite how I envisioned the minutes after being proposed to. Quietly, he began to speak under his breath. Valerie, I have something else I need to talk to you about. Oh no, now what, I thought. Well, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I just want to let you know that I've made a decision that I'd like to convert to Judaism. What? Was this really happening? Not only did he just propose, but he came up with that idea all on his own? This was just too much. I never thought in a million years that that would even be an option for him. Yet this was so important to me, and even without ever telling him that, he somehow knew it. He proceeded to say, you know how much I love the Jewish culture and religion. I love coming to all your family events. Plus, all my best friends are Jewish, and sometimes I feel really left out. And you know, someday when we have kids, it'll just be easier if we're all just on the same page. Wait a second, could this be happening? I had to take inventory in my head of everything that had just happened. Josh had just proposed marriage, produced a diamond ring, decided on his own that he wanted to convert to Judaism, and now told me that he wanted to have kids all in one felled swoop? Somebody pinch me. It was real. Josh Hatton had finally stepped up to the plate. I felt like I was on top of the world. We fell asleep in each other's arms. The next morning, I woke up early and ran to the gift store and bought a whole bunch of wedding magazines and brought them back to the room. I laid on the edge of the bed, flipping to the pages, dreaming of how my wedding with Josh would look. Josh slept as I thumbed through the pages. He finally woke up and looked up and asked what I was doing. Planning a wedding, I said as I giggled. Whoa, whoa, he said. He sat up. Slow down, Valerie. We just got engaged yesterday. This is our time to make sure that this was going to work out. I instantly felt the rage build inside me until I exploded and yelled at him at the top of my lungs. Make sure it's going to work out? Fuck you, I said. If you're not ready to get married, then don't fucking propose to me. This is not a try-before-you-buy situation, I continued. He held his ground. I immediately took off the ring and threw it at him and stormed out of the hotel room. Classic, commitment-phobic Josh had struck again. I knew it was too good to be true. So that's it. That's the end of the second part of my essay. I hope you enjoyed it. And yes, I left another cliffhanger because there will be a part three. I hope you will submit an essay and tell me how you have overcome a snag in your life. You can go to our website, which is shedynasty.com, and learn about how to enter the She Will Overcome essay contest. I hope to read your essay on my podcast. Thanks again and keep ruling.